0: we ask that you try to help us out. You can help us out in two different ways. First, you can give us a rating in the app store that you use. Secondly, share this podcast with a family member, a friend, or a colleague. This really does help us to get these messages into the hands of the people who can really benefit from
1: them. All right, without further ado, your Senior Pastor Dan Willis. Uh, wow, where do I begin? You know, <laughs> This message, friends, uh, was planned and slated to be on this day long before we went through what we went through this past week. <laughs> Yet just another coincidence. Last week, uh, in the in the message we talked about, uh, person upon person from best Sunday School class said that it just reiterated what they learned in the Sunday School class. And no, Beth and I did not collaborate. We never do. That may shock you. You may think it isn't true, but I'm telling you, it is. All
0: right, you
1: Friends, <laughs> I don't know how you can't see God if you don't. I don't know. I don't know how you don't know. If you're not seeing God, you're not spending time with Him.
0: Amen.
1: It's it's real simple to me. I don't I don't know any other way to put it. And I'm going to tell you something. Uh, let me let me go back a little bit. When I was growing up, there was a show on television called The Flip Wilson Show. Anybody remember Flip Wilson? Yes. Flip Wilson was hilarious. Sure. Who who doesn't know who Flip Wilson is? Yes. If you don't know who he is, raise your hand if you don't know. Look at look at him. You make sure you don't know who Flip Wilson is, Bob. Scott is on <laughs> You're old enough to know who Flip Wilson is. But Flip Wilson, his, his show wasn't that funny. But he, but he had this little thing. He always said this main thing, and people would stay on the the television. It was black and white television at that t- point, you know, white. unless you had color. And at yeah. the end, you did. Yeah. Uh, and then, of course, Panavision made color, and yeah. put black and white into color. Weird. It it it's got a weird tint to it, but yeah. you get it. Yeah. And then I remember the TVs that uh, had the like the little wheel oh, yeah. that was <laughs> right. You put it you put it over the top of the. T- Who did it? had one of those? Philco had one. A couple. Of, anyway, the Philco out. They don't make. Do they make televisions anymore? No. Anyway. So, so anyway, everybody would sit on the edge of their seat through all the commercials, and, and, and they, don't, they don't seem like they were as long as they are now. Right. But either way, uh, and then all of a sudden, he'd say, the devil made me do it. Can't see him. Can't see him. it who, who, who remembers that? Yeah, the devil made me do it. Friends, mm-hmm. you know, I used to laugh and laugh and laugh and not think much about it, you know. And then we used to make a joke out of it. Yes, we did. Let me tell you something. The devil makes us do a lot of things. But he can't do that unless you choose it. it. He can't do that unless you okay it, it. unless you accept it, unless you yes. give him the authority to yes. do those things. Yes. And you know, you can blame Satan for so much, but there's some blame there on you. Yes. Do, do, do you grasp that? Yes. There's some blame there. It is. Friends, as a law enforcement officer, as a pastor, as a counselor, and uh, any other thing I've ever done, you know, even in the funeral home when I worked there as, as, a, as a, an officer in the Marine Corps, I have seen demonic activity. Yes. I have seen demons, yes, yes. and I've seen demons that I were, was certain mm-hmm. were either on or in somebody. Yes. Oh, yes. Yes. I have been present when they have been exercised, although myself personally, I've never done that but I've been present when they were. And I remember the warnings of the pastors that were doing it that if if you aren't completely in tune and belonging to the Lord, leave, leave now. Go, Don't watch us. Get away from this. It's
0: dangerous, 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 dangerous.
1: So I know what demons do. I know what they look like. I know how they come, basically because... I've, the Bible declares these things, tells us about it, yeah. but also because I've had some experience with it. No but, but here's the thing. Inner demons are different. They're perpetrated by them, but it's a different kind of thing. And you know what I'm talking about here. If you have your Bibles, turn with me to Romans chapter 7, and this is where, after, after chapter 7, this is where Paul begins to be in your face. Romans, I, I you know I don't know how many times I've told you well collages is my you know my favorite book of the Pauline letters and then I'll read the Hebrews and I'm pretty sure Paul wrote that too even though some will dispute it uh, either way then I read that and I'm thinking if there's a more difficult book to understand in all the Bible than Re, than than not Revelation but than Hebrews I don't know what it is Revelation uh, Revelation's tough but I got a pretty decent grasp on that I think Hebrews though huh, Probably the deepest spiritual book in in the Word of God. And so you just got to sort of kind of love that Mm -hmm. writing because of what it tells you about your spirituality, about the priesthood and what God expects from you. And yet, then I have this second part of Romans, and I'm thinking, man, you know, it has been said... uh, hey john is it possible that a person could play around entire round of golf with a with a seven iron yeah. i've heard people say that if you had to do it with one it would be that one would you agree yeah okay did you hear what he, hear what we said if you're gonna if you only had one club you could probably you could wedge with it you could i mean i'm i'm not a golfer my golf I, i'm still a softball player though i can't play anymore <laughs> I, I my swing I, it slices no matter what i do I, i'm just never going to be a golfer mm-hmm. but some people they love it and if, if you could, had to play around with one one club, they say that that's it. I, I don't know if one size fits all in everything, okay? But, but here's what I will say. Sometimes we're looking for answers in too many places. And there's only one answer. Only one. Right. And in, in the book of Romans, from seven forward, yes. if you if you had to really understand the depth of spirituality, that, that seven forward in Romans would be, in my opinion, more complete. Right. If there was nothing else to look at, than almost anything else in the in the Word of God. That's correct. You really you really see where Paul's at, and he he is spot on because he's writing to people in the Roman government mm-hmm. as well as the people of Rome right. and and they were no nonsense, show me, let me see it, I'll believe when I see it kind of people, let me see the logic. Paul is incredibly logical mm-hmm. because he's seen it. He knows what it is. He's experienced it. And in, in this chapter, we find that to be true. And if you scroll down in chapter 7 to verse 14, yes. let me show you in a nutshell what he's talking about and where this message came from he says we know that the law is spiritual that's the only place in the entire word of god that you will hear that statement because people try to separate law and spirituality that's right that's right you understand that and here he says that we know that the law is spiritual they're one and the same He says, but I am unspiritual because I'm sold as a slave to sin. Do you grasp that? That stuns me that he talks about those two things in one sentence. He says, I do not understand what I do. And sometimes, let's face it, that's true. He says, for what I want to do, I don't do. Hey, I've been there. I know what I knew to be right and what I ought to do and what I really wanted to do, but for whatever reason, I just couldn't do it. I was just drawn away from doing the right. And you know. Mm-hmm. You know what is happening. Not always, but a lot of times you do. Amen? Yes. You know. Yes. That's right. That's right. He says, I, 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 for what I want to do, I do not do. Mm-hmm. But what I hate, I do. In other words, I do the wrong things, and I hate myself for doing it. Mm-hmm. That's right. I hate doing wrong. And I wonder why I can't have more self-control than mm-hmm. that. He says, and if I do what I don't want to do, I agree with that the, the law is good. As it is, it is no longer myself who does it, but it is sin that's living in me. See, Paul is telling us and delivering this, this message that the fact is, this only happens, friends, when you're converted, Did you become a Christian. And you know the difference between right and wrong because God has taught you. And not only that, even if he hasn't specifically told you, his spirit lives in you, so you have a pretty good idea about what's right and what is not. Understood? Preach, preach. That's, right. That's right. And somehow deep within what you ought to do, you're commanded to do, you should do, either in the word of God or what the spirit tells you is the right thing to do, yet you resist it because you're drawn to the other side. You're drawn to the other thing. That's right. You want to, and then you hate the fact that you're drawn to it, and you wish it could be, you could be delivered from it. Right. I think a lot of people are in that limbo area, All right, now. and you think, "What's next?" I I just I want to do the right thing. I want to do good, but oh my goodness, I'm struggling here. Welcome to life. Amen. <laughs> Even as a Christian. And so, those of you online, those of you at our, at our Mecca campus, and those of you here today, you're not alone in this, you see. Paul already thought it up and told us about it. And he says, do you think you're the only one going through that? And so we quietly suffer in pain, struggling with these fights that go on within us. He says, I know in verse 18 that nothing good lives in me. That is, it's in my sinful nature. For I have the desire to do what is good, but I just can't carry it out. For what I do is not the good I want to do. No, the evil I do not want to do, this I keep on doing. Now, if I do what I do not want to do, it is no longer I who do it, but it's sin living in me that does it. Now, Paul is not letting you off the hook, even though it may seem that way. Come on now. That's right, He's simply calling your attention to the fact mm-hmm. that when you're converted, really converted, yes. you don't want to do sinful and evil things. That's right. But the sin that's still in you that you haven't dealt with or God has not eradicated because you haven't given him permission yet still draws you to sinful activity. Yes. And when that happens, there's a struggle between your flesh and your spirit. The spirit. There's the problem. So he says in twenty one, I find this law at work, the law of humanity. When I want to do good, evil is right there with me. For in my inner being I delight in God's law. I read the word of God, I pray, I spend time in Bible studies, I want to do the right thing, but doggone it, I get out there in the world, and before you know it, I'm I'm drawn to it again. And I think, why go anymore? Why Why go to Bible study? Why pray? Why spend time in Christian fellowship? Why, why, why? Because I keep drawn back to the garbage that I don't want to do. And as Sue would say, where's Sue? She leave already? Oh, Sue says, I don't want to be that away. Right. Mm-hmm. Anybody heard Sue say that? Yeah. See, this is what we're talking about. She's not the only one that says it. How many times people come in my office and sit down, I, I don't want to be this anymore. I don't I don't want to struggle with this anymore. I, I know what I want, and that isn't it. Yes. Everything I've done my whole life, I don't want that anymore. I want this. I want. But it, gosh, it's so hard. Yes. Why is this so hard? On, I man. thought when I got saved, I would have all this power, and I could just cold turkey be done with it. No. Mm-mm. No. Mm-mm. No. No. Oh, the power's available to you. Yeah. But this is what Paul's talking about. You see how relevant this is? We live in an age of relevancy. Yeah, we want we want the meat potatoes. We want to be relevant. Well, Well, this is this is as relevant as it gets. Come on now, okay? You know what you want, but you struggle to get it, maintain it, and live it. Yeah.
0: Amen. That's right.
1: That's right. He says in twenty three, I see another law at work in the members of my body, (laughs) waging war against the law of my mind. And making me a prisoner of the law of sin that is at work within the members of my body. That's right. That's right. Mm. Yes. Yes. What That's a wretched man I am. Man I am. <laughs> Who will rescue me from this body of death? Wow. Yes. He calls this a body of death. And it is. It is. It is. It is. Big time. Now understand what he's saying here. When he says that this is a body of death, two schools of thought, and this is where we theologically struggle. Everybody knows that before you get saved, you live in a body of death. Amen? That's right. That's right. But what happens when you got saved and it's still a body of death? Mm -hmm. It means that you haven't completely surrendered everything. You've gotten saved. That's right. That's right. But you're struggling with sinful activity, and it might even be unconfessed sinful activity. And not only that, it might be sin that God wants to eradicate, but for whatever reason, you're holding on tight.
0: Yes. Uh-huh. All right now.
1: And only God's going to determine that if he returns, yes. which way you're gone? Uh huh. Up or down. That proves to me that once you get saved, you're not always saved. Come on now. Yeah. Now I'm gonna people watching this online might yeah. turn off the channel, might get upset with me. I know what he said. Okay, so here's the deal. Thanks be to God, he says, through Jesus Christ our Lord. Right? Right. Who will rescue me? God will. Mm -hmm. Through Christ. So then I myself in my mind am a slave to God's law. Friends, I want to be a slave to God's law. But Satan has told you, you shouldn't be a slave to anything. And God says, why not? The Bible says, "If you're a slave, be a good one." I think we've misinterpreted what it means. I want to be a slave to the kingdom of God, to the Lord Jesus Christ, because if I am, that means I'm a bond servant. That means I don't have to stay in it, but I desire it. Anybody? Because this life is no longer my own. What I do is no longer my decision. I belong to Him. It's His. And that's the only way, my friends, yes. we're ever going to understand what Paul is saying. Yes. But in the sinful nature, yes. a slave to the law of sin. I don't want that. No, no. And I know the difference. So let's start by just being honest about what inner demons are. Mm-hmm. An, inner, an, an inner demon is something that you personally struggle with in your own mind. Yes. Yes. It, 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 it might be created by a situation situation. That leads you, you know, uh, to believe that you need to hide a part of hide a part of yourself, mm-hmm. and in turn, you begin to act differently or you seem normal. In other words, you're covering it up. Come on girl. that's it. And don't tell me you've never done that. I've watched a transition like this mm-hmm. in people. Amen. I'm not going to tell you who they are, but growing up, I watched it again and again and again. Amen. Amen. Somebody would be acting a certain way. Someone would come to the door, and all of a sudden it's like, oh, hi, hi there. Mm-hmm. But that wasn't the person just 30 seconds before. All right now. <laughs> speak or go speak. Speak, speak. How did that happen? Yeah. Oh, yes. Yeah. People where you know something's not right, and you say, what's the matter? And they go, oh, nothing. Yeah, come on. And something is happening. Mm-hmm. Something's not right. Yeah. You know it. And they know it, but what are they doing? They're playing a the game. Self-protection, maybe. Mm-hmm. Pride, maybe. Yes. We're going to talk about all those things. Mm-hmm. But the fact is, you act differently so that you seem normal. <laughs> right. But you're anything but normal inside. Anybody been there before? Or it could be caused by circumstances that give you this underlying feeling that limits you. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Anybody ever felt limited by their feeling? Of something well sure you have Yes. or you're not human and I suspect that everybody in here is Amen. Amen. Yes. now this limiting or depressive nature of inner demons is what gives their name meaning because well they're negative mm-hmm. yes. it's all negative I can't find one positive thing about this Way down. okay now Just because people start to like this because it's normal to them, their new normal, or because they've gotten comfortable with it, it's almost like, let me explain the psychological effect that this has on people. Uh, A lot of times, uh, you've been negative or in this realm of cover-up for so long, it seems real to you, and that makes it almost normal to you. Mm -hmm. It's almost like when someone has been taken captive, they begin to love their captivity. And as a law enforcement officer, I've seen that. Yes. Yes. It's proven that we're now having to teach law enforcement chaplains how to deal with the effects of human trafficking. Yes. Because those that are trafficked have been in it for so long that it's all they know and it's what they want now. That's right. That's right. That's so sad. It It is so scary. And yet it is so real. But we do the exact same thing, friends, in our own lives. Because it's this inner belief, a set of ideas or feelings about life that when talked about, it seems easy for others, you know, to deal with. But when trying to work around them yourself, to get past it or just try to be done with it, you feel like you're at war with your own mind all right now anybody ever been there before oh yes yeah. anybody there now yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. i think a lot of people have these demons and sometimes they finally break through on them but some mm-hmm. actually never do yeah. and it's always something that you're going to have to understand and repair on oh, your own yes. see Yes, you can use counselors. Yes, the Lord can help. But in the end, God won't force you right. and a counselor can't make you. That's
0: right. That's right.
1: I was uh, watching um, the pep talk by Al Pacino in any given Sunday, and it's got some choice words in it that we don't need to hear. Mm-hmm. But the fact of the matter is, he, he says, listen, now I can't make you do it. Right. 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 You have to decide. That you're going to come together as a team right now. And friends, the, tr- the truth of the matter is, you're going to have to decide right now that you want to have victory over this and you're going to surrender yourself enough to let God do it.
0: Come on now. That's
1: right. Because that's the only way it's ever going to happen. Amen. You have to decide.
0: Because.
1: That's right. because it's in your own mind that this war is being fought. Yes. yes. No matter how supportive... And seemingly obvious words of others are when it comes down to it we fight this battle alone Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. unless the Lord is in here Mm -hmm. and now you're never alone you see Mm -hmm. but you can win through your own mind strength and the understanding that the Lord will give you when we eliminate our demons we seem to have better inner thoughts and dialogue and yes Friends, whether you believe it or not, we talk to ourselves either verbally or mentally. And if you say you don't, I can prove to you that you're not telling the truth to yourself. Some people talk to themselves more than others. Mm -hmm. And some people just talk to themselves all the time, and everybody knows it. uh, And some of us, you know, this is how I do it, is when I'm reading something, I read it out loud to myself because sometimes I understand it better. Does that make sense to anybody? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I'll, I'll just keep reading and saying it over and over again. And you may think, well, he's talking to himself. Well, sort of. Yes. But that's how I understand things. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And you know what? Every single one of us in our minds puts together scenarios of how we want conversations to go. Yes. And when they don't, now we're upset. <laughs> All right, now. Well, you made the conversation go both ways. I don't know how you could be upset with the person for not going down your track of thought. And don't tell me women are the only ones that do it. Guys do it, too. Guys psych themselves out knowing there's going to be some kind of a, a, a you know, discussion, <laughs> right, with their spouse before they get there. They say they don't, but they do. Okay? I know that because I've counseled many law enforcement officers who couldn't understand why their wives didn't respond in a manner of way that they thought she should and one female officer who did the same thing mm-hmm. with her also male law enforcement husband. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's part of being together, mm-hmm. you see. That's right. oh, yeah. But when we do this, we begin to feel better about living life, but when your demon or demons are in control, you begin to feel uncomfortable and then constantly bothered Yes. no matter what you do or where you end up, and it doesn't matter who you are, rich or poor, intelligent or not, inner demons are not always seen by everyone or even anyone. Yes. And there's a song out there, and I can't remember um, what, but it's a Christian song, I used to sing it like 30 years ago uh, at my first church, uh, but oh, yes. it said that on and on people go in private pain. and it resonated with people because when I would sing it, I could see the pain in their faces, and they knew. Yes. Mm-hmm. Okay. But if you're around someone long enough, their demons can change how that person normally acts, mm-hmm. changing into a person that you don't recognize right. for no apparent reason. Mm-hmm. All right, Paul discusses in this passage the contrast between the desires, my friends, of our humanness, mm-hmm. right, and the desires of the spirit, and he talks about the struggle that happens between the two. He says that sin is what is responsible for human desires because we pursue the laws, friends, of Satan, which is sinful, yet the spiritual mind delights after the laws of God. That's what he says, right? You might want to write that down. And he concludes, friends, that it's only through Jesus that we can be delivered from this law that leads to death. The fact is, every one of us has, in some manner, inner demons. Oh, yes. They may be different for different people. Some are the same and some aren't. But remember, I'm not talking about these supernatural spirits that take people over in possession. I'm not talking about that. They're there, but I'm not talking about that. Yes. I'm talking about the things that we struggle with as Christians yes. on a daily basis. Things that don't belong there. Yes. Because we belong to Christ, shouldn't be there. But they are, nevertheless. And the reason is because they are just as dangerous as the supernatural ones because they're still controlling. Yes, they are. Oh, yeah. And the supernatural ones encourage us, friends, to either embrace them or do nothing about them. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I was at uh, my chiropractor up in Rockville yesterday, and on the sign is for a chiropractic adjustment, but it says the five most dangerous words. Maybe it will go away. And I thought, okay, God, I get your drift here. Mm -hmm. I get it. Because don't tell me that you haven't said, maybe it'll just go away.
0: Mm
1: -hmm. You see, having this awareness of the struggles and encouraging each other to continue the fight will help us and go a long way, I think, toward defeating these inner demons. And by the way, knowing what God's word says about these things and putting it to practice is going to help you avoid sin as well. David says in Psalm 119, I have hidden mm-hmm. your word in my heart yeah. that I might not sin against you. That's right. Yeah. That's right. So let's talk about these inner demons. The first one is selfishness. It is all right now. Selfishness. And so what's the definition of it? Well, Webster says it's devoted to or caring only for oneself. Concerned primarily with one's own interests, beliefs, welfare, etc., regardless of others. That's right. That's right. Now, I think, friends, it's easy to let our own personal desires dominate our decisions and our actions, okay. while at the same time, disregarding the thoughts and feelings of others. Mm-hmm. My goodness, I almost sound political. All right, <laughs> huh? Go ahead, I'm not, You're not going to bait me with which one. But the fact of the matter is, I've seen that again and again and again and again. It's almost like, do as I say, not as I do. Right. And if you don't agree with me, then I can't have a dialogue with you. That's right. That's right. You see, this is, this is selfishness. It is. We shut down when someone won't agree with us. Mm-hmm. <laughs> All right? We're now. We don't want to hear that we're self-centered. We don't want to hear that we're being selfish. Because in our minds, we're not. Right? We're not. But let's face it, it happens. Now, it doesn't mean that there are never legitimate reasons to uh, to be concerned for self. Because there are. I, th- I think there are. But it doesn't mean that we cannot allow being concerned for ourselves to be the dominant force in our lives. Because sometimes we do that. We're so decided that we're right and that what we want is good right. and it's the right thing to do that we will step on anyone and do anything to get it, get it. That's right. and that that can never be right,
0: All right.
1: it can never be right Yes. but unfortunately that's exactly what many do and i don't have to tell you that we we've bred this brand spanking new generation and some after it friends that are so self-centered and so selfish yeah. that it's become not just obvious, yeah. it's become an epidemic. Big time. And I, I blame parents and grandparents for it. Mm-hmm. I do. And then I blame society for for making a mold of it. Mm-hmm. It's now expected. Oh,
0: yeah. That's right.
1: I was raised, you know, in, in an era where you didn't, you didn't expect anything except for what you worked for.
0: That's right. Oh yes. Yeah, but it done that. Oh yes. Yes I have. Yes.
1: Yeah. And if you didn't have something, you didn't work hard enough for it. That's right. You didn't study hard enough for yeah, it. You didn't train or practice hard enough for it. That's right. Okay. I've seen it in sports. I've seen it in school. Yes. You know? Yes. And and I and I've seen it as a teacher and a professor. Oh, yeah. oh, yes. And I'm gonna tell you something. I've had good students, and I've had poor ones. And I've had students that came to me and demanded in college that I grade theologically on a curve. On a curve, so that it would be fair. And it would be fair to a lot of kids in the class. But what about the two or three that had nearly 4.0 grades in my class? Is that fair to them? No, it's not. No, it's not. But somehow, everybody else thinks it should be that. Friends, you, you gotta be real careful about this. Amen. And I'm not trying to go across the board and say it's this or that. But what I am saying is there is selfishness in the world today. It is. A lot of it. It is. Big time. Big time. Big time. Self-entitlement reigns these days. We're constantly looking out for self more than others. And I, I can't tell you how many times in the last week I've seen dangerous and reckless driving simply because somebody couldn't be patient enough to allow traffic to pass before they turned. It was right. it it was it, it wasn't just ridiculous, it was stupid. And I can use that word by the way. I'm not describing a person, I'm describing a behavior. All right. And that was a sane person, because they had a driver's license. Well, you've got to be careful with that. But the fact of the matter is, I wonder what we're teaching and how we're teaching people to drive anymore. Uh-huh. Okay? All right. And it's just, listen, I'm an aggressive driver. I know it. But I'm not going to cut in front of somebody, especially somebody who might not have the reaction time that younger people do yes. and cause them to lock up their brakes or it's it's it's, it's ridiculous. It is. It is. And why? Because you didn't want to wait a little bit longer for traffic to clear. Really? All right now. Uh, yeah. And Indiana had to pass a law that you can't have your cell phone in your hand. All right you can't have your cell phone in your hand at all right in a vehicle right in Indiana. Right. Period. If the keys are in the ignition, whether it's running or not, it can't be in there. Do, That's you, right. do you get that? That's right. That's right. Then why is people down here doing this? Now, I'm not saying I've never looked at my phone when I've been driving. Uh-huh. But I'm grateful for my radio now that lets me, it all comes right through there. I don't ever have to take my eyes off the road.
0: All right now. Amen. Amen.
1: And if you don't have one of those cars, then it doesn't matter. Mm-hmm. We become a self-centered society. Yeah. It's what I want when I want to do it how I want it, right now. That's that's who we are. And friends, this is just a start. But what does the Bible say? The Bible tells us that people who are self-centered are not able to please God, Romans 8. 8. When you're self-centered, you're not even able to please God. That means to me, today, not very many people are able to please God. That's scary, okay? In fact, self-centeredness is a sin because it leads to being devoted to self-gratification and overlooking other people's needs. Again, right, Romans two eight, <laughs> James three sixteen, right. and further, self-centeredness and self-love are totally opposite to the teachings of Scripture. That's right. Because both attitude involves selfish behavior. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's just fact. Yes. Mm. Oh, yeah. Paul told us that this was going to happen. Mm-hmm. He did. Second Timothy three. Verses 2 to 5, people will be lovers of themselves, lovers of money, boastful, proud, abusive, disobedient to their parents, ungrateful, unholy, without love, unforgiving, slanderous, without self-control, brutal, not lovers of the good, treacherous, rash, conceited, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God, having a form of godliness but denying his power, have nothing to do with these people. Come on the word thing, the word That's in the Bible? Uh-huh. Word for word, I might add. Word for word. So what do you do with that? Delete it? Disagree with it? You can't. And if you do, you're in denial. First Corinthians 10, 24, Philippians 2, 4, Galatians 6, 2. No one should seek their own good but the good of others. Look not to your own interests, but each of you to the interests of others. Carry each other's burdens, and in this way you will fulfill the law of Christ. Friends, we don't have to let the inner demon of selfishness control our thoughts, our decisions, or our actions. You don't have to. It is an inner demon. It can be defeated because Jesus did it on the cross. That was the greatest act of <laughs> something for others that I've ever seen, I've ever known. There, there, There is no selfishness or self-centeredness in what he did at all. And you know what? I didn't deserve it, but he gave it anyway. It. You see? That's right. So how can I be, then? Secondly, greed. <laughs> greed. Here, Here we go. Here greed is a lack of contentment. Plain and simple. That's what it is. Greed is this excessive desire for money, for things, for power, for popularity, That's right. or whatever, right. That's right. or whatever. Basically, it's a lack of contentment. Our society. Today is filled with the inner demon of greediness because people must have this item or that item. Yes, yes. They must make more money. They have to have more toys. Mm-hmm. Go ahead. And greediness can so blind a person that it makes enemies out of friends and enemies out of their own families. It does. It does. That's what greed does. It you don't think so? Oh, yeah, no. oh my friends. Great. See it all the time. Great. Can't tell you. As a funeral director? Well, not a funeral director, but working in a funeral home? I have seen it and witnessed it firsthand families destroyed and distraught over who's gonna get the money
0: That's right. wow. oh, yes. Yes.
1: I'm thinking are you serious at, at McGann Funeral Home in South Bend I remember one time me and another pastor were working the visitation for this individual that had passed away and one sister was there distraught that her father had died mm-hmm. the other one hadn't seen her dad in years didn't care they didn't think she'd even show up, but she did with their family. And bef- and within five minutes of, th- of that family getting there, it was a free-for-all. They were literally duking it out. Mm-hmm. And I knew we had a serious problem when one husband had the other husband by the throat on the casket, mind you, over the money. And the other the, old, the other guy was an older pastor, and he said, you think we should go in there and break it up? And I said, are you out of your mind? And so I, we called the police department, and they, this is no kidding. They had them all lined up along along the wall with a casket to the side here. You're he, he, supposed to be honoring this guy. And, and they're all lined up, and they're all like this, shirts all hanging out, all disheveled. And, 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 and the law enforcement officer said, you ought to be ashamed of yourselves, every one of you. That's
0: right. That's right.
1: That's right. And I thought, that's a dirty, rotten shame that he had to tell them that. And some of them were like, yeah. And some were like, no. I witnessed this. I saw it. It happened. And the very next day, Pat McGann called that family and said, called another funeral home, Mm -hmm. have them come get him. Mm -hmm. We're done here. Uh Well, we, no, we're done here. There is no excuse for that behavior. It was money. Over money. And I'm sure that the deceased would have been wickedly pleased with him for that, huh? See, friends, I've seen this before, and it's not just over his money. It's other, it's, it's it's power. It's 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 jealousy. It's all of these things, you know. And and friends, this this thing of greed will this inner demon will cause us to go back on promises. It might even cause us friends to lie and maybe even steal when we otherwise wouldn't and when we ask others you know about their poor attitudes or the changes in their lives or maybe somebody's doing it to us They're, they're they're asking us about this poor attitude or these changes that they see that that weren't there before And maybe it's because we're pursuing greed. we become defensive. We won't understand what they're saying because we're sure we're right. And then we'll deny it's even happening and don't tell me it isn't true because I've seen it. And you know what? I'm I'm brave enough to say this Been me a time or two. You just don't see it. Because in your mind, you deserve it. Paul talks about it in 1 Timothy 6, verses 9 to 10. Those who want to get rich fall into temptation and a trap into many foolish and harmful desires that plunge people into ruin and destruction. For the love of money is a root of all kinds of evil. Now, I've heard people misquote that. They've said that money is a root. No, No. it's not money, it's the the love of it. That's
0: it. That's it.
1: That's the problem. Some people who are eager for money, Paul says, have wandered from the faith. Did you hear that? Paul says, some people who are so eager for money have wandered from the faith. or And I would say, I, I don't want to add the Scripture, but sometimes we've compromised yes. the faith yes, right. in order to receive it. Mm-hmm. And told ourselves, and justified it, it's okay. Mm-hmm. Right? And he says, they pierced themselves with many griefs. Oh. Now, I don't think anything more needs to be said about this, but I want to tell you about the attitude of contempt, which is just the polar opposite. In contrast to the inner demon of greediness, there's this attitude of contentment. And, and, and Paul says in First in Timothy, the writer of Hebrews in 13.5, and Paul in Philippians 4, godliness with contentment is great gain. For we brought nothing into the world and we can take nothing out of it. But if we will have food and clothing, we'll be content with that, Paul says. Keep your lives free from the love of money and be content with what you have. Because God has said, never will I leave you, never will I forsake you. I'm not saying this, Paul says, because I'm in need, for I have learned to be content with whatever the circumstances are. And I know what it is to be in need. And I know what it is to have plenty. I have learned the secret of being content in any and every situation, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want. Now, friends, to me, this is easy to understand, but the problem is we don't want to. Let's Let's just call it out for what it is. We, it's easy to understand it we know it but we don't want to we don't want to live with contentment mm-hmm. we don't want to mm-hmm.
0: All right, now, look at
1: look at and here's why yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I thought is there something new I didn't know about in here okay so see we we don't want to it's easy and, and here's why we can fight the inner demon of greediness by being content with our life. Now, I don't want you to misunderstand what I'm saying here. Really? And I don't want you to misunderstand what the Bible is. And I don't want you to misquote or think I'm misquoting it. Okay? There's a big difference between contentment and satisfaction. All right, now. All right. Look it down. Okay? Break it down. I'm not saying you shouldn't have goals or you shouldn't better yourself or your situation. Because I believe that hard work pays off. It does. It does. Right? I believe that having goals, everybody in here ought to have a goal to better yourself and your situation, yeah? Everybody in here. But when you rely on self and money and people and government to do it, now we have a problem. You understand what I'm saying? Your attitude is always the difference. Do you want to rely on yourself, or do you want to rely on the Lord? There's the key. There's the, there's a the, there's the $10 trillion question. Who do you want to rely on? You see, being content with what you have, as long as you have everything you need, is what Paul is trying to say. But when you are never satisfied, when you can never have enough, when you're never content with what the Lord has given you, then you have a problem. Big problem. See, see, this is this is it. Because you'll do anything to satisfy yourself, and you'll justify it every, every single time. time. Right.
0: Come on.
1: And yet greed has another face, friends. And I stuck this one under greed because you could make it its own standalone, but I think it needs to be here, and it's called lust. Yeah. Because lust isn't just sexual. Mm-hmm. It is It is a lot of the time, and most of the time that's how we, we put them together. But it's not always sexual. Yeah.
0: That's right.
1: But the word lust comes from Mm -hmm. the word love in the Greek that is translated eros. Mm -hmm. Uh, Okay. Am I right, Pastor Bob? (coughs) Okay. So we know what Paul's talking about here when he talks about the lust of the flesh. They're a lot of times sexual, but not always. And they're all dangerous. And it's a tremendous problem in our society today because it's an inner demon that causes so many people to struggle with this, that, or the other thing. Yes. Allowing impure thoughts eventually leads to impure actions, whether sexual or not. Yes. Jesus right. was clear about that. You know? When you look at and think about these things, you've already done it, friends. It's done. Yes. Sure, it can be forgiven and corrected, but you've done it. You see. And we need to look at the sexual side because the ability of pornography only exacerbates the problem in our society today. Mm-hmm. I want to tell you right now. Yes. Some people think that it's normal and okay to use pornography in order to satisfy their sexual desires, but Jesus said something else about it. Come on now. 100%. Matthew five twenty-eight. Look it up and read it. It's right there. He said it. And no, it isn't okay to spice it up, friends. Come on now. Okay? That's it. Or do yes. and desire unnatural things even if you're married. I've, I've had uh, Christian couples tell me that. Mm-hmm. Well, we're married, so, mm-hmm. and?
0: Mm-hmm. All right, yeah.
1: uh, I You wouldn't think I should have to go down that road. Mm-hmm. You do, you do. But I believe that if God lives within you, yeah. that you know what's acceptable sexually and what's not, That's right. married or not. That's right. Okay? That's right. Your marriage doesn't give you a license to go outside of the sexual laws of God that's right, that's period right. okay let's enough said about that but Paul's clear in first Corinthians 72 each man should have sexual relations with his own wife and each woman with her own husband now notice here I didn't notice anything about gender differential Godly men and women will be considerate of the sexual desires of the opposite sex and here what Paul says is they're going to dress appropriately. Now, yeah. do I think you need to wear long dresses and skirts and collars <laughs> up here? No. But come on. Oh, yeah. right? right? We know what's appropriate, what's not. That's right. we know than that. We know okay? We know and let's face it, people sometimes dress a certain way specifically to draw the attention to themselves by someone of the opposite sex. Right. Or maybe of the same sex. That's right. That's right. That's right. Yes or no? That's right. Okay. So we, you, you know what you're doing and when you're doing it. And if you didn't know and someone calls your uh, t- your attention to it, you ought to listen. Mm-hmm. Amen? That's what we call, m- my parents call it parenting. Mm-hmm. It is. When I went out in a manner and way that I shouldn't, I remember, I, I remember um, I'm remember. i going to get in trouble <laughs> with this, but I remember certain people that I knew very well that would walk out of the house, dress a certain way, and get to the mall, and go to the bathroom, and change into something else. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Come on now. now, why? Because you wouldn't do it otherwise. Mm-hmm. You know you wouldn't do it. And just because you become an adult doesn't mean you can walk out your front door that way neither. That's right. Not as far as God's concerned. That's right. That's right. So let's 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 be honoring to God. That's all we that's all we have to remember, yeah? Be God honoring. And then Paul also tells us, friends, that we cannot be inflamed with lust for members of the same sex because it's unnatural and outside of the laws of God. And yes, he uses inflamed. That's what he says, Romans 1. And no, I don't care that society is saying something different. And no, it doesn't matter if you think you're in love with someone of the same sex, or even if you're married to someone of the same sex. I don't care because God doesn't, period. And I can say that from the pulpit. I'm gonna say it from the pulpit. I'm gonna, it's gonna be my mantra because again, I, as, as, Peter and John said, you tell us who we should be obedient to and listen to, God or man, when he faced the Sanhedrin, knowing they could be killed for it. I know what God says. I know what it means. And I'm not going to try to make a deal with God to make it look like it's something else. Love has nothing to do with it. God says no. God forbids same-sex marriages, just as He forbids same-sex relations. That's period. Right. No ifs, no ands, no buts. Doesn't matter what scripture you got. Doesn't matter your denomination. I'm telling you, if you follow the Word of God, that's what it says. And yes, I can show you Old Testament and New. Period. Pastors, am I wrong? Enough said. But friends, we can fight this inner demon of sexual lust by being faithful and honoring to God, and that's all we need to do. Our spouse. We need to honor our spouses and be faithful to them, yeah. and we need to dress appropriately around others. That's exactly. the way it is. Exactly. Okay. Exactly. Am I going to tell you you can't wear shorts to church? No. But if you walk in here in some kind of skinny ba- bathing suit, you might you might see me.
0: Yes. 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 Oh
1: yes. Come on. Right. Right. You're right. Enough said. Number three. Here's a big one. Pride. And don't tell me you're not prideful. We are all prideful in some manner. Every one of us. In fact, it has a, uh, it's, pride is having this higher opinion of oneself than is warranted. And it might not be across the board all the time. It could be just for a fleeting moment. That's where that self-centeredness comes in, into play. When you pull out in front of somebody because you're, what you're doing is more important than what they're, they're going to do. Yeah? And I've been there and I've done it. Okay? Simply put, it's a lack of humility. The inner demon of pride often causes us to be baited into doing what we ordinarily would not do. In fact, uh, you you might say that it's the old child's game of I dare you that draws directly upon pride. And I'll give him further than that. It goes deeper when you're double dog dared. Huh? It's just deeper, isn't it? Because if somebody won't do it when you dare them, you double dog dare them, well, now. <laughs> and of course... Adults don't ever do that, do we? That's only a kid thing, isn't it? It's a child thing, right? Well, let me tell you, adults act upon pride when they believe that they're superior to somebody else, whether it's across the board, or it's a it's a one-person deal, or it's a one-incident deal. Yeah. Solomon said pride goes before destruction and a haughty spirit before the fall in Proverbs 16 18 Paul says in Romans 12 3 for by the grace given me I say to every one of you do not think more of yourself than you ought but rather think of yourself with sober judgment in accordance with the faith that God has distributed to each of you in other words whenever you think more of yourself than you ought to God has no part of you you're thinking himself and doesn't matter where it came from or why you are So here's the question. Why do we think more of ourselves than we should? It's real simple. I need you to listen to this, friends. Listen to this, then I'll tell you what it is. How you have fallen from heaven, morning star, son of the dawn. You have been cast down to earth, you who once laid low the nations. You said in your heart, I will ascend to the heavens. I will raise my throne above the stars of God. I will sit enthroned on the Mount of Assembly, on the utmost heights of Mount Zaphon. I will ascend above the tops of the clouds. I will make myself like the Most High. But you were brought down to the realm of the dead, to the pits of the deep. Isaiah 14, 12-15. And you know who he's talking about? Satan. That's who it is. And that's why we do it satan did it and who are we following when we think more of ourselves than we should you tell me so humility my friends is the opposite of pride and it will go a long way toward fighting this inner demon James writes humble yourselves in the sight of the Lord and he shall lift you up Peter says humble yourselves therefore under the mighty hand of God that he may exalt you in due time Jesus said, for those who exalt themselves will be humbled, and those who humble themselves will be exalted. Matthew 23, 12. See, we can fight this inner demon of pride by practicing humility. And let's face it, sometimes we don't have much of that. And the only way to do it, friends, is to have more and more and more of God. That's right. That's right. More of God. And when you have more of God, you have less of Self. And when you have less of self, that proves you have less of Satan in you. Because we don't want to equate self and Satan in the same sentence. But they are. But they are. And I'm just calling it out the way it is. Because Paul does. Because Peter did. Because Jesus did. You understand? Friends, self is satanic. It's satanic in nature. It is satanic in inclusion. It is satanic in practice. Mm-hmm. That's right. Nobody can dispute that. It's not possible. Because the Bible is clear that it is. Further than that, if the Spirit of God lives in you, you know it. You, it. you straight up know it. So the question is, who are you following today? Right. 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 Who did you listen to last week and who did you pursue? Right. Right. Now come on. Okay. Who that? did you listen to? And who did you pursue this last week? And before you come out and say, well, it was God. Are you sure? Are you? Well, do an evaluation of your time last week. What did you do? Really, what did you do? How much time in the Word of God did you spend? How much time in Bible studies did you go to? How many small groups and time in small groups did you spend or preparing for your small group? How many services did you go to? And where? Yes. Or not? Yes. I'll bet you, I'll b- lay any, and I'm not a betting person, but I'm going to tell you this. I'm certain that there were people in this congregation, people listening online, and people at Mecca who did nothing but go to a Sunday service last week. Well, I'll, I'll bet you. How accurate am I? And you want to know where your poor attitudes come from? Tell it. Need I say more? Tell it. You know how I know it, friends? Because when I don't spend time there, I know what my attitudes look like. Mm-hmm. Anybody identify, who Who's done that before? Who knows? Oh, yeah. yeah. See, this isn't, hey, hey, hey. I'm not pointing fingers. I'm simply saying, this is a fact. And when your attitudes are poor, when you think poorly of other people, when you're at odds with other people, right. when you start getting self-protective, I know where it comes from. Yeah. I know 100% where it comes from. Because you wouldn't do anything with self, including protect, if you were spending time with the Word of God and with All Him. Right you wouldn't protect yourself at all. You wouldn't even try. Wouldn't even think about it. But you are. Because Satan tells you, you should protect yourself. He's done it to me. So here's the question. How much time did you do working? How much time were you pursuing friends? How much time pleasure and other things? Even good things, like take, like doing things with your kids. I'm not saying that's bad, right. but it could be if that's all you did. Yeah, right. Okay? So, seriously, the question is who did you follow? Yeah. The fact is, and I'll say it again Satan is pride. Mm. Period. He is. Fourthly, fear. Yeah. <laughs> Here's a big one. Mm. Anybody in here afraid? Anybody got fear of something? Listen, everybody in here fears something. Mm-hmm. I'm the dummy who was afraid of death and so I forced myself to work in a funeral home to get over it I don't fear that anymore I see some creepy things in there but I ain't I'm afraid of it okay everybody fears something okay whether it's failure not measuring up not being good at something hey come on but where does it come from you see this is easier to understand than we typically make it, the Bible tells us not to fear or be afraid more than three hundred and sixty times. And the reason I say more than and not exactly is because depending on the version that you have, certain words might be translated fear and others might not. But it's over three hundred and sixty on all of them. And and I think there's a differential of about five maybe. Three hundred and sixty verses five. I think the Bible's telling you. Don't be afraid. <laughs> huh? All right now. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And so, friends, yet we still are. That's right. Yeah. If the, if God tells us not to be afraid because He is with us and that we belong to Him, then why are we still afraid? Yeah. 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 Why does this inner demon control us so much or so much about us? Yeah. Do you know that fear will make us do things and not do things at the same time? Fear does that. Fear alone. Fear of rejection. Huh? Fear of failure. Fear. Oh my goodness, the list goes up. I I couldn't make a list for it. You couldn't make it. You see, because Satan wants to control us, (laughs) he uses fear to do it. If God says don't fear over 360 times, fear doesn't come from God. Because God says don't do it. So where does it come from then? Well, the adversary brings it. So this is why God repeatedly tells us not to fear. In essence, God is saying, don't let Satan control you. If fear is how he does it, or one of the ways he does it, clearly we need to look at the bigger picture and say, I'm not going to let him control me, not with fear or anything else. Because that's what he's trying to do. Satan is afraid of God, and he should be. (laughs) How many of you knew knew that Satan was afraid of God? Mm -hmm. Who didn't know that? Who didn't know that Satan was afraid of God? cuz he doesn't seem to be sometimes does he pretty bold but i've seen bold people that were scared to death and i'm pretty sure satan's scared to death you know why cuz he knows where he's going he knows what's going to happen no matter how temporary his victories seem to be you know you've heard that the old the old adage every dog has his day he's gonna he's gonna have his day okay he he's gonna he's gonna stand himself up, a himself up in the temple in Jerusalem. He's gonna say, "I'm God," mm-hmm. but that's about as far as he's gonna get with it. That's right, yeah. You you can say a lot of things; it does not make it so. Right. I remember uh, uh, one of the funniest shows I ever watched was Sanford and Son. Oh, yes. And, and I, I'm gonna tell you, I'll never forget the time when this this attorney came to the house and uh, uh, and Fred said, "Are you attorney?" And the man said, well, depending on who you ask. Mm-hmm, right. You ask me, I'm attorney. Yeah. Well, who says you ain't? State of California." Well, right? You, you can think anything you want, but it doesn't make it so. Okay? Satan may say he's God, and he'll convince some people that he is. But you and I know better, and anybody who's got God in him knows better. And God says, don't be afraid. He wants to take as many of us with him as he can, because misery loves company, and Satan's no different. But what are we really afraid of, my friends? You know what we're afraid of? Not being in control. And this actually controls us. <laughs> yes. Write that down. Yes. You are afraid of not being in control, but that actually controls you. Yes. This is a psychological thing. I yes. learned this in school, believe it or not. OK? Oh, yes. Yes. Not being in control actually controls us. Some of us just want control, and others need control because they feel inadequate in some area, and they don't want anyone to know it. Right. Right. OK? Right. So we control the situation. Nobody's going to find out. See. Or they simply don't want to try things a different way than they're used to, which means they don't want to be exposed when they don't excel at the new way. I've seen that a gazillion times. But regardless, there are a lot of reasons why we fear not being in control. And the fear of not having control is actually controlling us whether we realize it or not, and most times we don't know. Okay? This will never work in the kingdom of God because it can't work in the kingdom of yeah. God. And the reason is because we're saying we don't trust God to be in control. Now write that down because you can't let that and get away. That's right. If you have a fear of not being in control, you're saying you don't trust God to be in control. All right, now. Amen. Oh my goodness. Oh. <laughs> yes. I think I said yikes or shazam there, yes. but I don't think yes. it was going to fly. Either way, Right? That's a fact. Okay? So, here's another thing we're afraid of. The unknown. You're afraid of the unknown. Which is lack of control, which again, controls us. Jesus is clear in Matthew 6 that we ought not worry or fear about what we don't know. He ends the passage, that he talks about this in Matthew, by saying, But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. In other words, stop... Worrying about the unknown. It doesn't matter. God's in control. That's all That's all that matters. Friends, I'm going to be really clear. We fear because we seek the kingdom of self, which is and always will be the kingdom of Satan. That's why we fear. And that's why we want control. And we do this rather than the kingdom of God because fear is debilitating. It is dangerous. And it can be the death of us for eternity. Okay? Fear is real, and some people fear so much that it makes them physically ill. Upset stomachs, headaches, and anxiety so bad that it feels like your skin is crawling or you just can't sit still. And then it wears you out, you know. Then you're exhausted. And then the worry begins to set in and a whole host of other anxieties. Sometimes we classify them as mental health, and they're easily fixed. They're not mental health. They become that, but they didn't start there. And then there are other fears. We're afraid of not getting what we want. We're afraid of losing our health. We're afraid of death. Satan uses all of these things to separate us from the comfort and security of the Lord. That's right. That's right. That's what Satan does with these things. And yes, he's used COVID 19 to do it. Now, do I think we need to do something? Yeah. We need to be smart. We need to be healthy. We need to do the distancing. Wear masks when you need to. Get immunized. Sure, all of those things. And don't be mad at me for saying that. Okay, you can have you you can have whatever thoughts you want on it. God God in this nation gave you that right. But the fact of the matter is, immunizations work. All right. Be mad at me if you want. But I'm telling you, there are things you can do. But don't allow it to control you, because God is. In every pandemic in history we've ever had, all the way back, it's been obliterated. Every yes, one of them. Yes, yes. There's very few yes. that we still deal with. Yes. There's a reason why. Yes. Yes. Friends, fear is an inner demon that literally destroys harmony with God, with ourselves, and with others. It takes us right out of the game. It destroys our joy. It destroys our happiness. Yes. It destroys our contentment. Yes. We've got to get a grip on our fears. Remember this, let go and let God. There you go, Amen. Remember who told us not to fear, so much so that he's reminded us, again, over 360 times in the word of God. Countless times through his spirit that lives within us. So let's just be obedient and not fear. Lastly, I'm out of time, self-condemnation. This is an inner demon. And you know what? There's a lot of people in here that deals with self-condemnation right now. Say to Satan, get thee behind me. There is therefore no condemnation in them who believe in God the it, it yeah he even knows where it is friends failure to forgive yourself for past sins is self-condemnation I'm not gonna spend a lot of time here but this is a serious problem and it doesn't come from God it comes from Satan if God has forgiven you then you have to forgive yourself if God's forgiven you and he has unless you haven't asked for it but if you have asked for forgiveness then you're forgiven now you don't get forgiveness unless you turn from it, mind you. Okay, right. you got to turn from it. That's right? right. right? right. Got to change. But once you've done it and God's forgiven you, you've gone through the process right. and restoration, justification, mm-hmm. right? right? Readoption right. in the family of God, right. or whether it's a, a salvation or whatever it is. Yes. If you've done it, then you have to forgive yourself. Bingo. But the fact of the matter is, if you don't, you're disobedient and you're sinful again. It's right there That's right. in fact we'll self-condemn and even self-discipline mm-hmm. ourselves and you know what neither is allowed in the kingdom of God All right. All right. friends Reach. self-condemnation Reach. listen to me is ungodly mm-hmm. it's disobedient it is. and it is a product of self it is. which is satanic it, is. Yeah. it, is. it just is. It is surrendering completely to Christ is our only hope whether our feelings of condemnation come from something we've done or something that he is there's something that was done to us yes. and Christ is and always will be our identity. That's right. Has to be. That's right. In fact, we don't have to be defined by our past at all. Right. You know? Right. We have to be defined by him. All. Either you're defined by him or something else. and whatever it is, it doesn't matter. Right. If it's not defined by him, you're not a Christian. That's right. That's right. If, if if you are not defined by God, then you're not a Christian. That's right. And yes, I can make that statement because it's fact. It's Bible. It doesn't say, I'm looking at your life and trying to tell you. No. I'm just saying if your life is defined by Christ, then you're a Christian. If it isn't, you're not. <laughs> okay? So what are you defined by? Your past doesn't define you. Lord knows I know what my past is. Mine. Praise God I've been delivered from it. Yes. No, I have. Right. So why would it control me? No, I have. Yes. 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 There were people, when I felt called to the ministry, you know, 30-some years ago, that said, well, you're never going to be a pastor because you got a divorce in your background. And then one person, well, you'll never, well, even if you become a pastor, you're never going to be a DS. I'm like, well, who cares? And this is what I told them. Well, I got news for you. If God wants me to be a DS, I'll be a DS. If yes. he doesn't, I won't. That's right. And those pompous guys sat there and looked at me like, how dare you? Yes. And they're all dead now. Yes. Every one of them. Yes. Yes. And I'm not a DS, yes. but not because it wasn't available to me because I didn't want it. Friends. I'm your pastor because this is where God called me. This is where God called me. And if God calls me to be a DS, then I'll go be a DS. And if he doesn't, then I'm not. Because I know who defines me. Amen? And as our worship team comes, friends, we are called to leave the past behind. It doesn't mean that the scars of painful things are gone because we live with those scars sometimes and when you if you think you don't let me tell you something remember that when jesus was resurrected he still bore the scars and showed them he showed them he said touch me here touch me here here they are this reminds you and me of what i have done you may carry those scars with you but here's the thing praise god Our scars are redeemed, and we are restored in Christ. And we can look forward knowing that these things are redeemed in beautiful ways. So the answer to self-condemnation, friends, isn't self-forgiveness. It's the forgiveness that we have in Christ. And because he's forgiven us, we must forgive ourselves. Satan just doesn't want us to see that.
0: Thanks for listening to the Free Life Community Church Podcast. For more great, biblically sound teaching, visit freelifecc.com.